We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince. Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner, three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter. Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 3-1-5. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Betty Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. The Cuse are 2-0, and oh, and we are back to talk about Canisius, Benny Williams' return, and everything you need to know about the bigs Inside this time around on Red is the New Orange, a Field of 68 podcast. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamowitz with you. Remember to check out Field of 68 for everything you need to know about college hoops this year, whether it's the College Basketball Almanac, where you can get every team preview for just 20 bucks. You can follow us on Twitter, F68 underscore Qs. Check out the Field of 68 after dark. They just recapped Last night's massive Arizona-Duke matchup from the bowels of Cameron Indoor Stadium. Caleb Love, how about it? Yeah, Caleb Love, Kylan Boswell, and then you had Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, and Randolph Childress inside the Cameron craziness. So a lot to like and a lot to check out on the Field of 68 Team Podcast Network as well on YouTube. That's where you find our podcast, video streams, and podcasts for many other major college basketball programs, whether it's Indiana, UNC, Kansas, Texas, you can get it at the field of 68. Johnny, let's dial in here to the Canisius matchup on Wednesday, 89-77, Syracuse led by double digits for the majority of the game. I think with these non-conference contests, the good, bad, and ugly approach is always kind of the way to go. So let's start off with the good. What do you got? Well, I think, you know, if we didn't know it already, Judah Mintz is a superstar, right? For for him to put together the kind of game he did, believe he finished with 26 in totality. And, and to do it, you know, w- without really the three ball, 
in his arsenal, right? O- only two trifectas on the night, yet he still goes for 26 on an efficient shooting night. Both he and J.J. Starling, exactly 8 of 15 from the floor. So I learned from the good standpoint, A, Judah Mintz is a star, if you didn't already know that, if you've been watching Orange Basketball for the better part of a year now, you probably already knew, but in case there were any doubts, he put those to bed. Um, And this backcourt, look, as much hype as it's been given, as much as it's been a preseason conversation, it truly has a chance to be, I think, not one of just the best in the ACC, but really the best and certainly one of the most underrated uh, nationwide. I mean, I think about, you know, what Starling brings to the table and his ability to not just get it done on the offensive end, Ian, but you think about the upgrade defensively. And we'll talk about defense a little more later on when we hit on some of the bigs and and particularly in the front court down low. But you you transition from, okay, out goes Joe Girard, in comes J.J. Starling. Something that I think hasn't been talked about enough is how much of an upgrade defensively that that provides, right? And I think that was on display in this Kenesha. Could you game. imagine JG3 trying to play man-to-man? Oh, my goodness. That that would be a long day at the office for Mr. He, he might get Girard. cooked at Clemson this year. He Up might. Up in the ACC. He might. But, look, I mean, you give credit to Kenesha. They hung around, right? I think, you know, if you're a Syracuse fan, you maybe hope uh, that they put their foot down a little bit more than they did. But any win is a win, especially when your stars shine. And that was certainly the case for the Cues last time out. We talked about Taj Stavesky. He was our one guy to watch that we've kind of based these mid-major previews on. 12 points, 15 shots. Trey Dinkins led the Golden Griffins in scoring. 17 points, 14 shots. Inefficient nights for the main men of Canisius. My good is from more of a wide-lens stance. Syracuse is winning the games they're supposed to win right now. And that's all you can ask for from Red Autry. People are frustrated with the lack of killer instinct. I know Matt Park and Jim Sadlin were mentioning on the radio broadcast that this was just an 18-point lead in the second half. It's cut down to 10. Syracuse expands it back out to 12. Canisius makes a bit of a run and I guess kept you watching for those end stretches of the second half. But from a 30,000-foot view, this is a game last year, two years ago, the Orange would have made you sweat a little bit. And it does not look like in the first half, Syracuse has any problems getting out in front. What was the talk last year? Slow start. Slow start. Bad shooting. Slow start. And that is how you let these teams in the games and you make your fans uneasy. This year, Syracuse, even though down the stretch, things get a little iffy as some guys are still not in game shape. Some guys are working their way back from a couple minor knocks in the preseason. And just quite plain and simple, not everyone's ready to run for 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, because last year was so start, different. You give yourself that luxury of, of perhaps not being full throttle for a full 40, right? You look at that yeah. New Hampshire game, the way they exploded – To begin the contest, it was over before it even got started. But just look around the country. Oregon State last night, double-digit overtime with Troy. LSU, who Syracuse faces later this year, and we'll have have a Tiger Insider on to talk about it, one of our former roommates, actually, in school. LSU lost to Nichols State last night. Louisville lost to Chattanooga. Michigan State 
Top five, Tom Izzo, Michigan State in the Breslin Center, lost to James Madison. There is a lot of new with Syracuse. And there are a lot of ways that things could go sideways. And we haven't seen it happen just yet. Now, Colgate, different story. But that's a team we know can compete with the Orange. And I think at this point, Colgate is in the upper echelon of mid-major teams. Yeah. Think about like a VCU, a Vermont. You know, the, the mid-majors that you see every year in and out in the NCAA tournament, Colgate's starting to get that recognition a UC Santa Barbara, right? All those kind of schools that you think, ooh, they're in our bracket. I don't know if I want to see them in the 314, 412, whatever it may be. Right. Like, people know Colgate's legit now. There's there's no jokes about it. And if Syracuse plays a close game next Tuesday, I'm, I'm not that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, they've certainly become the cream of the crop of the Patriot League. Orange yeah. fans know that all too well when you think about how the past two years have gone. A little bit of some added incentive, I guess you could say. A little bit of some revenge uh, that that could factor in this week coming up. Um, continuing along here with this Kanisha's contest, though, Ian, I, I know we already hit on our good, but I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up as well. Um, you rewind to last year, right? And, and last year had all sorts of problems. Everybody knows that. But one of the bigger talking points as far as things that became a concern was forwards and wings not being able to get after it on the glass. Um, and, and so far, and again, super small sample size, it appears as if that issue has been addressed outside of maybe Chris Bell giving you only two and 26 against Canisius. And I think he's the guy who probably struggled with it the most last year. He was the poster boy. He was the poster boy. And, and Jim Beheim certainly was not afraid to make everybody aware of that. But it's not even just the forwards and wings here, Ian. I mean, even the guards getting after it, right? Seven from Starling. Mintz pours in three himself. Uh, this team just, it, they appear to have a little bit more of a tenacity on the glass. Um, and, and obviously playing some more man-to-man defense is going to lend itself to that. Uh, but there's, a, there's an ability, there's an instinct of crashing the boards that I think Syracuse teams of the past just, just haven't had. Um, and with how athletic this team is and, and their philosophy defensively, it's only going to make it easier, particularly, and again, we'll dial it up for you a little bit more later on, uh, but particularly when, you know, Nahima Cloud is really your only big man that, that seeing super quality minutes, it, it's going to be uber important that you get guys that, you know, are not named Naheem McLeod to be involved down low, to get rebounds, to minimize offensive possessions for other teams by getting offensive rebounds of your own, right? Syracuse had what? I think it was 13 offensive boards this last time out against Canisius. So that's clouded about half of those, just tipping it to himself. Correct. So maybe not my main takeaway as far as the good, but, but definitely something that I wanted to make sure we addressed as well, considering how bad it was last year. And that all comes from the zone man difference in scheme. We talked about that on our last edition on Monday. You can listen back to that. Wherever you get your podcasts or field F68 Cuse on Twitter, red is the new orange, a field of 68 basketball podcast. You can find it there. I also think the guards are probably a bit more encouraged to grab the ball off the glass and push it themselves. Instead of waiting three, four seconds, McLeod gets the rebound, passes it to Judah or JJ or even JT or Chris Bell. But then the defense gets back and you're 
pushing into a, a wall of defenders. So that's all good, though, Johnny. And that's, that's a great rebounding point because every once in a while, I think it's come up this year just in the Twitter messages and all that sort of stuff. People still want to know if the rebounding will be short away. And at least at, at least against Canisius, it was. Let's move on to the bad, though, because there is still stuff to improve. It's the second game of the season, and this is a new coaching staff and a reworked roster. My bad, even though you put some praise on him early on, Johnny, Judah Mintz didn't look great until the end of the second half. He's just been a little loose with the ball at times, uh, especially at the end of the first half. There were times when he threw an inbounds pass right to Canisius. He took about four or five of those awkward leaners again, which I'm just not a fan of. Um, I've got it written down here. At the end of the first half, Syracuse called a timeout with 17 seconds left, right? To use it or lose it. And last year, everyone complained about the Bayheim out of timeout plays, these inbounds plays. They're not good enough. Syracuse out of the timeout, gave it to Judamins. He dribbled into two guys, took an awkward leaner with five seconds left. And then Canisius traveled, turned it over, and Syracuse couldn't get the ball in bounce with two on the clock. So that is just not going to cut it. And Judah draws so much attention overall that I think he could just pay a bit more attention to his teammates and try to get the ball off when he's in that 10-foot area close to the rim. Not only inside the paint, but when Judah and JJ are next to each other on the perimeter, Canisius had the opposite man helping out. So say JJ passes to Judah, JJ's man is immediately sinking down towards the free throw line, protecting the drive, because they'll let those guys have three-pointers. They're not concerned about that. So either way, if Judah fakes a drive or actually drives, he'll have two, three dudes around him at all times. And yes, his buckets will come, and hopefully there aren't five, six awkward leaners per game. But I think as long as he keeps his head up a bit longer on the drives, this can turn into six, seven assists per game. Easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's a good point. I think teams are going to continue to pack it in defensively, right? There's there's no reason not to with the lack of shooters on this team and Kanisha sort of use that formula. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not going to nitpick a ton because, look, you find a way to put up 26, even if it's not the prettiest 26 in the world. I'll certainly take that. More of my issues, Ian, lie with something that might seem simple at surface level, um, but but really I think for this Orange team here in 2023 could could end up being a big difference, and that's free throws. And free throws um, matter. You, you know, to, to shout out Syracuse media legend Brent Axe, as you just said, Ian, free throws really do matter. And this team uh, against Canisius midweek, 12 and 19 from the line. They only got to the line twice in the first half. Didn't connect on either of those free throw attempts. Yeah, All JJ, told 63%. At yeah. one point in the game. And look, if you're going to embrace the narrative of being a team that is driven by two guards who slash and who get to the rim, number one, you got to do a better job of getting to the line, period. And number two, when you get to the line, you got to make the most of your opportunities that you're given. They're free for crying out loud, right? So again, seems simple. Um, but you know, when, when you're going up against teams that are going to make their presence felt in the paint and try to do everything they can to be physical with you, right? Syracuse is going to embrace that, right? I, I don't see an identity shift of mid-year of this team all of a sudden deciding, okay, you know what? No, we're going to make our, our bread and butter from beyond the arc. I just don't think that's what this team is. This team is a team that is going to thrive in the mid-range, that's going to thrive going to work in the paint. Um, so there's going to be contact and there's going to be physicality. I don't think there's going to be very many games where they only get to the line 10 times, right? That's just not the nature of how they play, or at least how they have played. Through especially especially games. not in the ACC where you've got games that turn into hack fests and you play Virginia and you're scoring 55 points. Absolutely. So I don't care if it's Red Autry taking an hour out of the next practice and saying, hey, we're working exclusively on free throws today. I want you guys to get your reps. I want you guys to get that rhythm. Do what you got to do. I don't care. They can spend two hours on it for all I care. 12 and 19 in meaningful January, February games in a two-point loss to Virginia or to North Carolina. It's killer. You can't have it. And it's one of those things that comes back to bite you when you need it the most. Johnny, you got any ugly nothing crazy? I mean, I don't know. Look, I, I brought it up before. Chris Bell, 26 minutes, two rebounds, but I don't want to harp on that too much because we know what he is. Um, I think what I would say for maybe the ugly here, Ian, and this kind of will lend itself to where we're going next a little bit, I think, in that, you know, Naheem McLeod plays 18 minutes. Can, can we get Mooney or Hima on the court? Even, even a little Peter Carey, if need be. I, I, with McLeod, look, I think with him, if he's even half of what Jesse Edwards was last year, that's a win. You take that and you run with it, right? But at some point, 
he's going to have to give you more than 18 a game. And I know you, you rewind to last year. I think he was around 12, 13 a game. At but that's, Florida that's State. Florida State's thing. Florida right. State plays 13 guys every single year. Exactly. They have hockey line shifts for Correct. substitutions. Correct. So they're like the Rangers. Right. So maybe it's maybe it's just a matter of kind of getting him stretched out and getting him ready in a sense, if you will. But I don't know. Ian. I mean, you can't play 22 minutes without a center on the court. You just can't. I don't care if you're embracing small ball, if you're going to try to get up and down the court quicker. You just, especially in a conference like the ACC, you need that interior presence. I, I don't care if it's, all right, let's get McLeod up to 22, 23 a game, or but let's get Hema in off the bench. Let's let's give him, you know, Kyle Cuff, Quadir Copeland-esque type numbers. But one of the two has to happen, and it has to happen sooner rather than later, even with Benny Williams' return looming large. Because in ACC play, once we cross the new year, January 2nd, you're in Cameron Indoor. You got Kyle Filipowski, who's probably everyone's unanimous favorite for ACC Player of the Year, at the five. You got UNC shortly after. Armando Baycott, who's probably hunting down his second doctorate as we speak, <laughs> is still in a UNC uniform. Somehow, some way. NIL money in Chapel Hill works wonders. I thought McLeod had a lot of good moments in the Canisius game. I, th I think it's we might as well get into this conversation yeah. here. I thought he had a lot of good moments. He blocked the layup on one side, ran the floor, and got a put back on the other. He had two blocks and consecutive shots at one point, one on either side of the backboard. And then his teammates didn't box out, and Canisius got the layup on the third try. I even have written down, did Mahe McLeod win the game for Syracuse? Obviously, he didn't. But there were times when nobody was scoring, and Cuse went on another drought at the end of the first half, early second half, where it was the defense of McLeod and just the sheer size going over 6'8 and below a.k.a. the entire Canisius team, that really kept Syracuse's offense afloat. So all in all, he has a big impact. He won't have any highlight plays besides a big block or two. He's not a vertical athlete. He's not Duncan. But he takes up enough space to where he could be a defensive upgrade just because of his sheer presence. I don't think teams were afraid to go at Jesse Edwards last year. McLeod, maybe you start thinking a bit more when 7-4 is standing in your way. And he stays out of foul trouble as well, which is a luxury that Syracuse has not had with big man over the big man over the past couple Jesse of years. Yes, he was a copious fouler. He only had two against Canisius McLeod that he didn't commit a single personal in the opener against New Hampshire, which lends the question to itself even more. And here we go again. Would it kill Red Autry to, to give him more than 18 minutes? I, I personally think the reason it's not happening is because, like I said earlier, probably just a matter of getting him stretched out. Um, you know, you're not you're not going to run him. Go from 13 a game last year to all of a sudden you snap your fingers. You're looking at 26, 27 consistently. But at the same token, starting really next game, um, may, maybe not so much Colgate, but but after Colgate, you might not have that luxury. Right. In our preseason uh, talks, Ian, I talked about kind of the importance of this early season schedule. Right. And you push back on it a little bit, saying, you know, these games are against cream of the crop type teams. Let the results be the results and just continue to build. 
But I'm going to stick to my guts here and say that, look, you know, I, I think this team really has an opportunity to make some early noise and cement themselves as a top six team in the conference, right? And the way you do that and the way you be competitive is by playing to your strengths and playing to your best players. And again, 22 minutes centerless against the Tennessees, against the LSUs, against the Purdue's with the player of the year and Zach Eady for crying out loud. It's it's not going to work. You need that dominant presence. And you said it perfectly, I think. He's not going to put up highlight plays. He's not going to be going coast to coast, throwing it down with two hands. But what he is going to give you is quality big man minutes. And I see no reason why he can't carve out a, a pretty big role for himself on this team, considering the construction of the roster. Well, to look ahead just a little bit, I mean, playing big man against Tennessee is like boxing. Those dudes are going to be rough and tumble. Euros Plofsic is not on the team anymore. I don't know if any of our listeners watched some of Tennessee's NCAA tournament action last year, but Euros Plofsic was more concerned about taking your head off with a forearm than he was grabbing a rebound. And still, Rick Barnes has about three, four guys that are 6'10", very old. And then, yes, Zach Eadie. And they bring, they, Tennessee brings just about everybody back, too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And yeah. they, they got this dude named Dalton Connect from northern colorado who went nuts last night they they disassembled wisconsin in the coal center on the road in a pretty deliberate manner but you looked up in the second half and tennessee was up 10 so they they won't score the lights out but they're they are really good um back to mcleod here there are two problems you run into if you're Red Autry. One, I think you you fully covered the conditioning aspect, whether he needs to get his legs in game shape or if it's just too much to ask a seven foot four dude to run up and down the floor, which he does rather well, but to do it for over 25 minutes is a tough It's asking ask. a lot. It is. It's, yeah. it's a lot of weight to move. Let's be frank. It's a lot of limb. It's a lot of weight to move. Second of all, which is kind of my ugly here, and it's not just on McLeod, but he's a big reason why. Syracuse really struggles to defend ball screens or any kind of screen right now just because of their lack of experience with it. UNH ran a lot of five out or 4-1 ball screen, right? Spread it out, pick and roll up top. And McLeod can't get out there. So he has to sit in the paint and you get an open mid-range jump shot. With Canisius, it was a bit different. They were running off-ball screens but you still had McLeod involved. You fake a dribble handoff, you get a backdoor cut off it for a bucket. Why? McLeod is out of the paint with the big man who's faking the handoff. You've got some flex cut action, which is when you set a screen for a guy down low, off the ball, and you usually go like block to block. Think of the lane. You got this guy, set a screen, he goes under, and you got a post up. And again, that's McLeod's domain, but since he's slow-footed, and the rest of Syracuse doesn't really have a whole lot of experience with the screen game, they're a couple steps behind, and that led to some open Kenesha shots when the Orange offense slowed down. That's the thing that'll keep them off the floor. Against Colgate could keep them off the floor because we know the heavy volume of three-pointers, the small lineup that they'll go with at times. McLeod might not see a role, so then you're fine with Malik Brown. Against Zach Eady, you're not fine with Malik Brown on the floor you need one of those other guys to get out there. And even if it's just hack and 80 for four minutes, you need it to happen. Yeah, you absolutely do. 
Um, and, and again, these are all questions that we will have answered sooner rather than later. Um, but for the time being, we've got two games to go off of, Ian, and, and those are the two games that we're going to sort of break down and dissect. I, I think, you know, your point defensively there is a good one. It will be interesting to see how that translates against Colgate, and, and we'll have more Colgate discussion coming up later on in the week. But, you know, if you know anything about Colgate, it's that this team likes to run fast, they like to shoot the three, and they're going to play up-tempo. So I think defensively, you talk about defending ball screens, stuff like that, um, you know, how that translates against a team like Colgate, we could see a very different approach versus what it was against New Hampshire and Canisius to sort of start the year here. Yeah, we'll get more in depth on the Raiders on our Monday episode. Right now, most of the analytics sites have Syracuse winning by five. If you'd like to get in on the action, do it with our friends at BetMGM. Here's Rob Doster with more. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Some news after the Canisius contest, the day after, Johnny. Benny Williams reinstated to all Syracuse team activities. They put it out on the Cuse men's basketball Twitter account. We retweeted it on our own f 68 underscore cues figure we'd save this discussion until our pod don't think there's anything groundbreaking happening here but getting benny back is a big boost and it confirms what we thought all along that this was nothing that serious yeah thank goodness right from a syracuse fan standpoint benny's presence was really needed um and, and he gives you that extra boost that extra notch of physicality that this team sort of lacked without him um, you know, well, over the course of the past couple of days, a, a lot of the conversation has shifted towards, okay, what sort of is his role going to look like, right? Does he come back and, and is he a day one starter just like that? Do, do you ease him sort of back into things and, and get him acclimated? I've never bought into that stuff too much, Ian, in that I, I think, okay, maybe with Jim Beheim at the helm, who starts matters, Right. He's he's got his guys. He goes one or two deep off the bench. And, and that's kind of that with the way that Red Autry has kind of handled these first couple games um, and, you know, is is no stranger to giving guys off the bench quality minutes. I'm not really too concerned. Um, what I will say is, you know, Justin Taylor has done nothing but perform. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I want to mess with the juju a ton per se is as far as maybe that starting lineup goes. But but again, I go back to does it really matter all too much? I'm more concerned about who's your five on the court in the final two minutes of a tie game. Right. And I think when push comes to shove, Benny Williams is a part of that group, which is why it is so important that he is back and it's not anything bigger than it was initially made out to be. Uh, but at the same token, I, I don't think it is even something that needs to be analyzed a ton as far as, you know, what his role is right now. We know what his role is going to be come February, right? So if he comes off the bench against Colgate, let's not get all up in arms and let's not wonder, is it a good fit? How does he fit into this team? It'll come with time. I don't have any problem with Red starting him over Chris Bell tomorrow. I, I, I see no problem with that. JT should be in the starting lineup after what he's done over the first two games, complete performances, dynamic performances, ball on the floor, beautiful bounce pass ahead and transition for a dunk. He's shown that he's taken the step forward to become more of a complete player. And Chris Bell still makes shots sometimes, but all he's really done over the first two games is shoot it, regardless of whether there's a hand in his his face or not. Since JT's taken the step forward, Benny doesn't have as much responsibility on his plate. You just want his athleticism there. You want him to rebound to. Seven guys on this team played 16 minutes or more against Canisius, right? Fresh legs is going to be huge. We talked about it earlier in our McLeod conversation. Getting Benny back just to have another pair of fresh legs, right? Another guy who fits into this mantra of being fast, of being athletic, but also brings to the table some of the physicality that this team was missing without him, right? I I think Benny's bright spot is maybe he doesn't do anything particularly great, but he does a lot of things pretty good outside of maybe extending beyond the three-point arc. Um, But I think he, he checks a lot of boxes. He'll help out defensively. He can pour in potentially as many as nine to 10 a night if all goes well offensively. 15 a night. Right. Even more. So I I think him coming back is just going to take a little bit of the pressure off because then you don't need Justin Taylor and Chris Bell to be unconscious sharpshooting, right? Because these first two games, you've been asking a lot of Taylor and Bell, right? You don't have anything beyond the arc. And that's not to say that Benny Back solves those problems, but it's just- You just get another dimension. It's a little less pressure to go around. Exactly. So Benny will be back against Colgate that contest on Tuesday, and we will have a full in-depth preview Monday out at noon. Thanks for sticking with us with Johnny Gadamwitz. I'm Ian Unsworth. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a follow, F68 underscore Cuse on Twitter, and check out the Field of 68, both After Dark, our team podcast, the College Basketball Almanac, whatever you need to get you ready for conference play, multi-team events. We've got it here at the Field of 68. Hope you enjoy your weekend, and go Cuse.